All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline or use the Central Church app. Proverbs chapter 3 is where we're going to start today. And we're in week number 3 of a series called I'm a Work in Progress. And in this series, um, we're looking at some different Bible verses that, um, l- let me say it like this. There, there are things in the Bible that I wish weren't there. Anybody else? Like there are things I look at and I think, man, that's a really good idea for other people. Heck, that's a really good idea for me. But when it comes to that, when it comes to living that out in my life, even though I really, really, really want to do it, I'm I'm a work in progress. There are sections of the Bible where when I look at what God wants me to do in my life, I'm just... I'm just not there yet. It doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not trying to put Jesus first in everything that I do. It's just that I'm, I'm trying to take steps to get there. And, and, and I'm sure that that's most people here in this church. And that's the whole idea behind this. I'm a work in progress. Today, um, let me start out like I did last week. Let me start out with a confession because I think you guys like it when I start out with a confession because it lets you know that I'm jacked up and it's okay for you to be jacked up too because if the pastor's all messed up, you can be messed up as well. Um, here's my confession and I think a lot of people in this room are going to kind of be able to lean in on this because it's probably a lot of you are exactly like this. I have serious trust issues. Anybody else with me on that? Anybody? Yeah, the people that really have trust issues won't raise their hand because like, I don't even trust you to raise my hand. I'm not going to do it. Let, let me tell you some things I have trust issues with. I have trust issues with people, which is an incredible quality for a pastor to have, right? Um, like, for example, many of you have had this happen where somebody calls you and they're like, hey, man, we got to get together. I've got an incredible business opportunity for you, which means I'm selling something and you're the only sucker on my friends list that'll fall for it, Ryan. Like, like that's happened to me. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it's happened to me. And so now I own timeshare in Florida. Um, but I've been tricked, and maybe you've been tricked as well, so I have trust issues with people. Um, I have trust issues with fast food restaurants, because I used to work at one, and I know what bored teenagers do at fast food restaurants, and if you don't know, don't ask. You don't want to know, because you don't ever want to have that trust issue there with that. I have trust issues with the government. Anybody else there? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, somebody's clapping. Yeah. Listen, I'm an equal opportunity offender. Both sides suck. All right. So I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Some trust issues. Um, I asked the staff this week to tell me, um, what they have trust issues with. And this is what they said. Watch this. I have trust issues with people who try to reach me about my car's extended warranty. Hey, my trust issue is my alarm. A night that I know that I have to get up the next morning and be somewhere before 7 a.m. I'm checking it all night long. Hey, my trust issue is with letting my wife Katie drive my truck. My trust issue is people who don't drink coffee. What is that? Trust issues. Do you really believe when they say a product has 100% pure ingredients? Not so fast. Hey, my trust issue is with Pastor Ryan on April Fool's Day. I have trust issues with water. <laughs> Lake, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> I know if my husband is anywhere nearby, I'm getting wet. <laughs> I don't trust any fad diet that doesn't involve bacon. My big trust issue 
Auto mechanics. Had a lot of them over the years. Don't trust them. Trust issues? Why? Who's asking? You know what? Never mind. I don't want to know. Um, you're not recording this, are you? Now, some of those um, are pretty funny, and we could we could make a huge list of this. We could go out in a room, everybody could could talk about things they have trust issues with, and we could laugh, and we could have a good time with it. But let me get real right now. Sometimes, often, I have trust issues with God. Now, I know I'm not supposed to say that because I'm the pastor, and the pastor's supposed to have all of his stuff together, but I don't. And, and I'm going to be very honest with you. When I tell you that I have trust issues with God, I'm not talking about I had trust issues with God seven years ago and I've got everything worked out. Like I had trust issues with God this week. Like, cause I've, I've been in situations where it's like, okay, God, I, I love you, but for real, are you going to handle this or not? Like, God, I, I, I've sold out my life to you. I'm, I've submitted to you. Like, I, I, God, I'm going to follow you, whatever. But, but honestly, are you going to move? Are you going to work here? Like, God, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know if this is, if this is right. I, I just, I just, I've got trust issues. And I'd be willing to bet that every single one of you, if you're honest, you've gone through a season, or maybe you're in a season right now where you've had some serious trust issues with God. I mean, you feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if he's going to come through. I'm not sure if God's going to move. God, I just, I just don't know. See, anybody can trust God when life is good, right? Life's good, the bills are getting paid and stuff like that. But let something happen. Let something tragic happen. Let the economy start freaking out. It's hard to trust God. And and I'm not dogging anyone. I'm just acknowledging the fact that sometimes it's hard to trust God. Amen? It's hard to trust God when you're diagnosed with something that you didn't think you'd ever be diagnosed with. It's hard to trust God when the relationship falls apart. It's hard to trust God when things are going crazy. It's hard to trust God when we feel like everything in our life is out of control, which newsflash, control is the greatest illusion in the entire world to begin with. So what do we do? What do we do when things get out of control and it's difficult to trust God? Well, one of the most famous verses or popular verses in in the Bible, and this is one of the one of the first verses that I memorized um, when I became a Christian. It's found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says this, Trust in the Lord your God with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Confession. When it comes to this verse, I'm not there yet. When it comes to this right here, Pastor Ryan is a work in progress. Now, I want to acknowledge that if I could live my life like that, there's so much peace, there's so much joy, there's so much love, there's so much hope. But I would be willing to bet that there's not a single person in here today who's honest who can say, I always, always, always trust God with all my heart. Because sometimes stuff happens. And stuff happens and it takes away our focus. And and when our focus is gone, we're reminded that, hey, we're not in control. And if we're not careful when we realize we're not in control, we will go out of control. And it's those times where we find it incredibly difficult to trust God. And so let me walk through this. Let me walk through these verses and teach you some of the things I've been learning over the past several weeks as I've been diving into this. And then I'm going to show you a story in the Bible that illustrates these points really well. All right, here we go. First part of it, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now, this is fascinating because 
I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a difficult time, if you've ever been going through a difficult season and, and you go up to somebody at church or you go up to another Christian friend and you open up to them and you tell them, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this and, and this is going on in my life and I'm really, 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 really having a hard time. And they're like, oh, just trust God, brother. Just, just trust God, sister. Okay. How do you do that? How? How do you do that? This reminds me of when I was a kid and I played baseball. I was what you would call game horrible. That, that was me. Like I could hit the ball in practice. I could smash it in practice. But for some reason, I would get into a game situation and I froze like every time. And I had a coach who every time I would get to the plate, he would scream, Ryan, hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball. Incredible coaching. Most people called him coach. I called him dad. It's another message for another time. But that's incredible coaching right there for a kid to be up at the plate just screaming, hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball. And then when I would not hit the ball, he would yell at me more, why can't you hit the ball? And, and I would just be like, I don't know, man. Maybe it's because you're yelling at me and I'm freaking out. It's hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball. And it's not helping me at all, which, which bring that into here. And, and it's, it's like that same thing. Or we're having a hard time, or we're having a difficult time trusting God, and we're opening up to people, and we're telling them, hey, I'm struggling in this area, and I just don't know if I could trust. I just don't know if I can do it. Well, you need to. You just need to trust. Just trust. Just trust God. Just trust God. And we're like, ugh! And we, we feel like the kid at the plate who can't swing the bat. But recently, I started looking at this, looking at this passage more of, not as a, a command, but as an invitation, because there's a big difference between a command and an invitation. I don't believe this is God pointing his finger at us. I believe this is God opening his arms. Big difference. This isn't God screaming, trust me. You need to trust me. I believe it's God saying, you know what? You can trust me with that. You can trust me with whatever you're going through. When things feel out of control, you can trust me. Because listen, don't miss this. When we're out of control, He's still in control. He rules and reigns supreme. He is awesome. And the invitation is for any one of us. You don't even have to be a Christian to apply this principle. God is inviting us. He's inviting us to trust him. He wants to take that area of our life that we think is completely out of control or helpless. God is going, you know what? Give it to me. Give it to me. You can trust me with that, with whatever's going on. Because you're not in control, I'm in control. And when we do that, literally, our worry, our anxiety, all that stuff begins to disappear. Because instead of trusting in our ability, we trust in the creator. Which leads to the next part, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because all of us can admit our understanding is limited, yes or no? Everybody say yes. Our understanding is limited, yes or no? Yes. I don't know about you, but Alexa is my best friend. Anybody else? I'm asking Alexa, Alexa, what's another word for pineapple? Alexa, what's seven plus two? Like even stuff I think I know the answer to. I just double check with Alexa. Because my understanding is incredibly limited. All of us, all of us have been in a situation where when we're in that situation, we don't know how we got there. And we begin to question, how did this happen? How did I get to this place? 
Like, this is not where I wanted to be. And if we can't understand how we got there, how in the world do we think we can figure out how to get out of it on our own? But so often that's what we do, right? I could quit anytime I want. I can stop at any point. I can get out of this. I don't need the help of anybody else. Forgetting that we need the help of God and the help of others to make it through this life. But we get to this place where I could just do this on my own. I could just do this on my own. I could just do this on my own. And God's saying, no, uh-uh. You need to trust in me. You don't have to figure this out on your own. You don't have to try to figure out how to get out of this on your own. Trust me and let me lead you through this. And then the next part, he says, in all your ways, submit to him. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And then in everything that's going on in your life, in every single area, submit to him. And at the end of the day, that's not always fun, like submitting to God. But can we all agree that sometimes rules are given or people tell us things that we might not like to hear, but they're good for us, like they're for our good? For example, I was born in 1974, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. I know, I understand. And in the 70s and early 80s, people that wore seatbelts were weird. Seriously, I remember, true story, I remember growing up and being told by my dad, my grandpas, and my uncles, only hippies and weird people wore seatbelts. My dad cut them out of the car. Anybody else have dads that cut them out of the car? Yeah, maybe your grandpa, like literally, my dad cut seatbelts out of the car. And so when the seatbelt law was passed, people were not happy about it. It was a huge pain. As a matter of fact, um, into the, into the late, um, 2000s and early 2010s, um, in Indiana where we lived, you did not have to wear a seatbelt in a pickup truck. And so the couple years before we, we moved here, they passed a law that you had to. And, and I remember, I remember getting my first seatbelt ticket and thinking, this is the stupidest thing in the world. My entire life! And I had to wear a seatbelt. Now you pull me over and says, ah, it's, it's frustrating, right? It's just one of those things. But you know what? I'm really glad there's a seatbelt law around because I've been in some accidents where seatbelts have saved me some serious injury. Anybody else? I've got friends absolutely saved their life. And so at the end of the day, even though we might not like what we're supposed to do, God puts things in place in our life not to restrict us, but to protect us. So oftentimes when God is speaking and God is putting things in our lives, it's not to restrict us. It's not to hold us back. It's to protect us. And God said, hey... Trust me with that. Trust me with that because it's for your protection. Because listen, if we're in a place that we don't want to be, we didn't follow Jesus there. We, we didn't. If we're in a place we don't want to be in life, it's because we, it's not because we follow Jesus there. It's because we followed ourselves. It's because we leaned in on our own understanding. In all our ways, we didn't submit to him. If we're stuck in sin, if there's a habit, there's something going on in our lives, we did not follow Jesus there. Would you agree? Yeah, we did not follow him there. Jesus said, hey, if you'll trust me, now try to figure this out on your own and just do what I show you to do. That's key. Submit to what I, in all your ways, submit to him. Do what I show you to do. He said, if you do that, his promise, and this is a great promise, his promise is I'll make your path straight. Now, all of us want that last part. All of us want our path to be straight. But when the writers, or the writer of Hebrew, in this section right here, when he says make your path straight, it's this whole idea of I'll give you immeasurably more. 
than you could ever ask or imagine. But in order to have a straight path where we don't live in a state of confusion and fear and worry and anxiety and doubt, well, we've got the invitation to just trust in God. Not a command, not a command, an invitation, not trying to figure it out on, on our own, but God, I'm going to give this area of my life to you. Because listen to me, the area of your life that's most out of control is most likely the area of your life that needs to be most submitted to God. I'll say that again. The area of our life that's the most out of control is most likely the area of life that needs to be the most submitted to God. And when we do that, when we submit that area to God, the promise, God's promise, is I will make your path straight. That's awesome. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. That's an incredible verse, and I'm trying, and I'm trying, and I'm trying to apply that to my life. Now, with the remainder of our time today, I'm going to show you how this works out in a story in the Bible that to me is just fascinating. It happens, it starts out in Joshua chapter 2, a little background of what's going on. The nation of Israel, the Hebrews, were enslaved to the Egyptians for like 430 years. Moses shows up and Moses goes to the Pharaoh who's holding everybody captive, has them all enslaved. He says, let my people go. And they go back and forth and like, I'll let your people go. I won't let your people go. And, and Moses says, well, God's going to send some plagues. And there's 10 plagues that come. And, and after the, after the last plague where it's the death of the firstborn son and Pharaoh loses his son, he just, he just says, all right, go, just take all these people out of here. God is God. And just, just get out of here. So he takes off and Pharaoh says, nope, I'm going to go kill them all. And so he runs after them and God parts the Red Sea and they go and all the people are free. They get to the other side and they march around the desert for 40 years. And for 40 years, they had some serious issues. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. They march for 40 years. They're getting ready to go into what is known as the promised land, which is modern day Israel. Well, at this point, Joshua is the leader. Moses, Moses had died. And so Joshua says, I'm going to send some spies into the land to check it out, kind of survey things. Now, Joshua had sent spies in previously, and Joshua was part of an original group of spies. There were 12 of them. But right here, Joshua chooses two. He says, hey, you two guys are going to go in. You're going to check everything out. Now, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to let the Bible say what the Bible says right here. Um, this, to me, is a fascinating story. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men, watch this. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute. Came to the house of a prostitute. Named Rahab and stayed there that night. Anybody see anything weird about that? Like, has anybody ever seen this, like, acted out on the felt board in Sunday school? Like, no, nobody ever really talks about this. Like, I mean, here you got two guys on an out-of-town business trip. And they wind up at the house of a prostitute. Was that an accident? Hey, hello, how are you? What, what do you do? Oh, you're, you're a prostitute? Like, how, how does that conversation break down? I'm totally shocked. I had no idea. We're here for the prayer meeting. Oh, well, man, let's just go in, see how the night breaks down. Like, how does that even happen? Like, this is a messed up situation. Because don't miss this. Here you have the children of God, the promised children of God. They've been, whoo, they've been walking around in the desert for 40 years. They're following God. They know God. They know everything about God. God's supplying their 
every need. They walk into Jericho and they're with a prostitute. That's messed up. Now let's talk about the prostitute for a minute. Let's talk about Rahab. I am 99.9% sure that this is not where she wanted to be in life. Prostitute? Not what she wanted. Like she probably didn't come home from school one day. Mommy, daddy, we had career day and I found the perfect job. It's third shift, but it pays really good. I'm 99.9% sure this is not where she wanted to be. But she found herself there. She found herself in a place completely out of control. And and listen, don't, don't miss this. A lot of times when we're in that place, completely out of control, that's an opportunity for people to take advantage of us. All, all of us have had this, where we've experienced trust issues because people take advantage of us. And that's Rahab, not at a place where she wanted to be. And her first introduction to the people of God are two men who are there to take advantage of her. There's no way that this situation could turn out for good. Or can it? Watch this, this next verse, verse two. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites came here tonight. I guess they had some kind of, I don't know, ring doorbell security system or something. And they knew she was, they were there. Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab. Don't miss that. Evidently, the king knew Rahab. Probably another message for another time, but king knew the prostitute. Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men. And she goes on to tell the king, they're not here. They went that way or whatever. Here you have a situation, the story. People are coming to a king and they're like, hey, hey, there's two men. They're in the house with a prostitute. And, and the king sends people over there in this verse, Rahab, Rahab could have turned these men over. She could have said, you know what? Yeah, these guys came in here. They took advantage of the situation. I'm a prostitute, whatever. Here here they are. But for some reason, Rahab hid these two men. Now, why would she do that? Well, I believe, and I'll show you this. I believe it's because God was doing something in her heart. Listen, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to show you here is in order to trust the Lord with all your heart, In order to trust the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. For that to happen, you don't have to be a great, awesome, moral person who knows a lot of Bible knowledge for that verse to apply to your life. You just have to have a willing heart. That's it. Like, I don't care where you find yourself on the spiritual spectrum, where you rank yourself. I don't, I don't care what number you pick in the zero to 10, anything like that. I don't care where you are on that journey. All it takes for Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 to manifest itself in our lives is for you and I to have a willing heart. Because see, right here, Rahab has a willing heart and God is doing something in her life. She's not a follower of God. I mean, she's a prostitute. That's not a moral profession, right? So she's not a moral person. But yet right here, we see her doing the right thing because God is in control, because God is moving. And that's why I think God is doing something in her heart because she has this conversation with the spies in verse eight. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Shion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. Verse 11, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God, look at this, the Lord your God 
is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Right here, she's vaguely aware of who God was. She knew some things about God. She had heard some stories about God, but she didn't have any experience with God. And the spies could have went off on her and they could have dropped all kind of Bible knowledge on her. Don't you know? Don't you know who God really is? I mean, yeah, you know about the sea, but did you know about 10 plagues? 10 plagues. There was a blood river and there was frogs and he killed all the firstborn. It was absolutely amazing. Hail fell from the sky. And by the way, did you know 10 plagues, 10 commandments, 10 represents the number of authority. And so anytime you see 10, it represents authority. And there's 12 tribes and we're from one of the tribes and the 12 means faith. And so faith and authority and all that. Don't you know anything, woman? Haven't you ever been to a Bible? They could have gone off. They could have absolutely gone off. But see, right here, we have a woman. And she doesn't know much about God. But what she does know, she's like, hey, I heard that dude's awesome. Here's a woman right here that's modeling. Listen, I'm not at a place where I want to be in my life. I don't know much. But what I do know, I'm willing to trust him. Because he's in control. He does amazing things. And I'm willing to trust him. This is her opening up. And watch what the spies tell her. This is their plan. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. And then they tell her, everyone's going to die. Everybody's going to die. We're killing everybody and everything. Like cows, chickens, sheep, everything's going. And they said, but we'll keep you and your family alive if you do this. And this was their plan. When we come into the land... You must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all of your family members, your father, mother, brothers, all of your relatives must be here inside this house. Hold on, hold on. You're planning to rescue me? And just hang out a scarlet rope? Yep. Why don't you just take me now? Just take me now and I don't have to worry about it. Like I don't have to watch the fighting. I don't have to do anything. Just take me now. No. Why don't, why don't you go back and tell your people that my family's here, they can send in SEAL Team 6 or whatever and get us? Nope. Scarlet rope out the window. That's the plan. How can we be honest? This isn't the rescue plan I want to hear if I'm Rahab. But you know what she decided to do? Trust in the Lord with all her heart. And she left that scarlet window rope out the window. She did exactly what she was told to do. She did not lean into her own understanding. Scarlet rope out the window didn't make any sense. Because if she would have, she would have been like, all right, um, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is going to work out. But in all her ways, submitted to him. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make this argument. When I say all her ways submitted to him, I'm going to say the prostitution stopped. Ryan, you can't really say that. Well, if you're a prostitute and your mom and dad and brothers and the rest of the relatives show up in your house, that's going to limit your business opportunity, right? Just throwing that out as a guess. In all her ways, submitted to him. And so when that happened, what did God do in the life of Rahab, in the life of a woman who was in a place where she didn't want to be, her life completely out of control. I mean, she obviously wasn't where she needed to be in her relationship with God. In fact, she barely knew about him. But she had this thing, a willing heart. Because see, the story continues. The nation of Israel, they marched around the, they marched around Jericho once a day for six days. And Rahab's probably watching this going, how's this going to work? Like, it's just out there marching. 
they're just ticking off everybody. Everybody's just mad. How is this going to work? How is this, how is this going to work? Because let's be honest, we've all taken a step of faith. And in that step of faith, we've worried, is this going to work? God, are you going to move? God, are you going to show up? God, I, I, I believe I'm doing what you've called me to do. But God, w- when are you going to move? God, when are you going to, when's the promise going to get fulfilled? God, when are you going to work? And finally, the walls come down and the Israelites come into the city and they just destroy everything. And it's just absolutely awesome. And, and, and then in Joshua chapter 6, Joshua goes back and he talks to the two spies that were in Joshua chapter 2. And he says this, this is verse 22. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house. Don't you love he didn't even name her? It's just, she's just got a label. Anybody here dealing with a label? Anybody? Like people don't even call you by your name. They just call you by your sin. This isn't the message for today, but it's in the text. And so I want to point it out. And I want to say this. You are not what people call you. You are who God has called you to be. I've heard it before and it's so true. People, they know you by your name, but they call you by your sin. God knows you by your sin, but he calls you by your name. Don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare ever let anybody who hasn't given their life for you put a label on you. Do not do it. This goes on though. She's got this label and I want to show you how this plays out because Rahab right here, she's known only as the prostitute. Get the prostitute, bring her out along with her family. Verse 23, the men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all of her other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. And this is where a lot of people go, oh, so awesome. She trusted the Lord with all of her heart. She didn't lean on her own understanding and all her ways. She submitted to him and he made her pass right by taking her to a safe place. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. But you know, God always goes above and beyond because God actually had bigger and greater plans for this woman named Rahab. This woman whose society had written off. This person who wasn't leading the moral charge of her city, but had a willing heart. What could God do? What could God do with somebody who has an open and willing heart to just do whatever he wants to do? What could God do with a group of people who just in all of our ways submit to him? This this blows my mind. Because this is the last time many of us hear about Rahab. Until that is... You get to the beginning of the New Testament. In Matthew, there's a section in the lineage of Jesus. And I want to show you this. And listen, this is the lineage. Don't miss this. This is the lineage of Jesus. Without all these people and all of their junk and all of their stories and all everything that's messed up. Without these people, we don't get Jesus. This is how Jesus came to us. Watch this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah a descendant of David and Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Talk about a messed up story. That's that one right there. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Solomon. And watch this, this is awesome. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was who? Rahab. Rahab, Rahab, just Rahab, not Rahab the prostitute, because in Christ that label is removed, Rahab, just Rahab, Rahab, 
The woman who didn't have it all together. The woman whose life was completely out of control, but who had an open and willing heart and was willing to say, God, right now in this moment, even though it doesn't make any sense, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to receive your invitation. I'm not going to try to figure this out on my own because I can't figure this out on my own. I am going to submit my life to you. And what did God do for Rahab? Immeasurably more than she could ever ask or imagine. When we meet her, she's a prostitute. By the end of the story, she's a restored woman from whom God brought forth Jesus. Don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. Jesus doesn't just love people that are a mess. Jesus came through people that are a mess. Jesus doesn't just love people that are a mess. Jesus came through people just like us, just like us. People who have jacked up, messed up lives. So today, I want to end by specifically speaking to the person who's here. You're at a place that you never thought you would be in life. And things seem completely out of control. And I want to offer you an opportunity today to just acknowledge, God, I don't understand what's going on. God, I don't know where anything stands in my life. God, I don't even know where I stand with you right now. But you know what, God? I'm going to receive your invitation. And I'm going to trust you. Here I am, God. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to submit to you. And I'm going to trust you. Trust in the Lord, church. Trust in the Lord, your God, with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. I'm not there yet. I'm a work in progress. But I'm taking my steps to get there. How about you? Let's pray. Father, right now, I want to pray for every single person here who's wrestling and struggling. That there's so many things that go on in life that weigh us down. For many of us, we're not where we need to be. And we've been told to clean up. We've been told to act right or whatever. But God, I, I pray that everyone would just push the pause button and we would just say, God, right now, I have a willing heart. That's what you need to do, church. You just need to say this. God, I, I have a willing heart. Because God, if you can do it for Rahab, you can do it for me. God, if you can do it for me, you can do it for somebody else. So God, I'm going to trust you. Here I am, God. Here I am. Fully surrendered. Fully surrendered. I want to acknowledge, God, that I need you. So God, here's my heart. Fully surrendered because I need you. Here I am right now surrendered. I need you. I trust you. I trust you with my whole heart. Craig is going to lead us in a song, church. And during this song, if you'd like somebody to pray with you or for you, if you'd like to talk about this idea of of submitting and trusting, there'll be people in the back corners of this sanctuary. We have some signs back there that say prayer stations. We have people back there to pray with you and for you. If you'd like to go out in a place that's a little bit more quiet, we have a prayer room outside that will have somebody that will take you up there and, and talk with you about this whole thing. But during this time, as we stand and sing, I, I want you to, I, I want you to think through this idea of submitting. I want you to think through this idea of trusting the Lord your God with all of your heart, leaning not on your own understanding, submitting to Him in all things. What's that area of your life that you need to submit to Him? I, I pray today that you don't leave without, without at least taking the steps towards the cross. 
If not getting all the way there and laying it down, begin to take those steps to get yourself up there to like, hey, one step closer, one step closer, one step closer. I know I can't do this on my own. I know I can't figure this out on my own. I know I can't get out of this on my own. God, I I need you. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. God, I pray that you would make our path straight, that you would help us to trust You would help us to submit. God, we give this time over to you and we ask you to move in the hearts of your people in the way only you can through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.